Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss line bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you 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 must be so excited. Listen now. This is a podcast from The Bugle. This is crowdsourced comedy, a compilation of bits that various Uber drivers and in one instance a bus driver have told me that I can use in my comedy. What do you get when the chicken crosses the road? But also cancel culture. Can't say anything these days. I guess you're going to cancel the chicken now, aren't you? Because actually, it's insensitive to victims of road accidents or soup accidents or horrible chicken accidents or chickens that identify as ducks, also known as the male chicken. I don't make the rules. I just pretend there are rules and then complain about them. Why don't you put that in your little skit? To which I say, no, thank you. It's not called a skit. It's called stand-up comedy. To which they say, don't you usually do that internet radio instead of the real actual comedy? To which I say, there's been a pandemic and also so it's not called internet radio, it's called The Goggle. Audio Glossy Magazine and beloved platonic companion to the Bugle's audio newspaper for visual world, all of the news, a proportion of the satire and none of the politics. I'm your host Alice Fraser and let's take a peep inside the front cover at your guest editors for this week's edition of the magazine. First of all, the recently anointed patriarch of a small family of women, James Colley, how's your baby? Ah, uh, my baby's doing very well, hopefully sleeping throughout the entirety of this record, but if she has something to say, she is actually just starting gargling so it'd be very appropriate that she joins in <laughs> and new to the gargle Pippa Evans how does it feel to have never have been on this podcast before um, intimidating frightening but very welcoming to be on a screen with such legends Let's take hands and as an ensemble trust exercise plunge naked into the freezing cold body of the magazine. Before we do, let's have a quick look at the front page. The front page of the magazine this week is Robert Pattinson, the new Batman, formerly of Twilight fame, posed in an ambiguous position that says both serious emo crime fighter and also timeless immortal vampire with a penchant for insecure teenage girls. Hmm, provocative. Sorry, I, I, I've only just put together that he played both a vampire and a bat now. He's done both sides of the Dracula, which so few artists can do. <laughs> The satirical cartoon this week is the haggard reflection of your own face reading the news, but filtered through the lens of social media. So you're not just finding out about the next big war, you're finding out about it by someone who's trying to use it to sell you a cryptocurrency. And then by someone who can't resist a dream-casting Vladimir Putin as a sexy Emperor Palpatine in their real-life Star Wars fanfiction crossover. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is our space section our first section of the magazine, an asteroid four times as big as the Shard is set to cross paths with Earth. According to the Metro, uh, Pippa, you live near the Shard, nearer to the Shard than any of us. Can you unpack this story for us? The Shard is essentially, imagine a Toblerone, but made of uh, sadness and capitalism. And it's <laughs> hu- It's a huge building uh, that if, if there was something bigger than that even just the shard hitting the earth would be quite scary so something bigger than that would be even scarier but this story is one of those classic there's no news stories because the first line of the article is nasa classifies asteroids that come within less than 7.5 million kilometers of earth as potentially hazardous which really is mr that's that's quite far you know i'm 400 miles from london uh, so that and that feels potentially like i i'm I, I'm really far away from something. So that, that's quite a lot further. But experts are sure that there's nothing to worry about with this one. So why are you telling us? It's just like you're telling us so that we uh, almost worry and then we have the feeling of then not worrying. It sort of reminds me of when I went to Chertsey. I don't know if you've heard of Chertsey. It's a tiny little village place just outside of London where I went to the museum and essentially nothing's ever happened in Chertsey. So they had a display of what might have happened if the Vikings had have invaded. <laughs> So it's literally that, that thing of, uh, that is, there's nothing to tell anyone. Let's tell them that there's an asteroid that's not going to hit us. I mean, that's pretty amazing. Look, I think that that is the best kind of news. The news of news that didn't happen news. Dog didn't bite man news is much relieving compared to actual news where depressing things are happening all over the place. Yeah, if it doesn't bleed, it leads. Yeah, yeah. It's like we could just sit quietly. <laughs> but instead we have, to, we have to fill up with time with stories that aren't even stories. Exactly as you say, man was not bitten by dog. Neighbour did not be rude to me. Bus stopped when I requested no, it No, 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 no. This is exactly like when you're preparing for a meeting that you don't really want to go to and then they cancel. Ah, oh, yes. <laughs> okay, but, okay. But in light years. But then you have to have the build-up. You have to have the three weeks of, oh, girl, that, build, that meeting's coming. So we actually, to play that game, the scientists had to go, there's an asteroid coming, you're all going to die. We're all going to die. Oh, actually, it's fine. Yeah, true. That would have such horror. The number of payday loans and horrible life decisions I would yes. make. By the time they told me, oh, by the way, we were just trying to give you that relief, I would be so chock-a-block full of heroin, it would not be an issue. <laughs> And you'd never learn, James, either. It would happen the next time. You'd be like, I've got to get that heroin again. Like your wife's going, no, (laughs) they'll cancel it again. I'll just do this one thing and then I'll nap for 18 hours and then I'll be ready for whatever the next bit of news is. (laughs) James, are you worried about asteroids? I am worried about asteroids. Uh, So the same as you, I was worried about this when I first read it. And it's very strange that this is the kind of news that they put on when they're like, do you know what? There's not enough worrying happening on our front page. Let's just add this one in just in case. This is classified as a close encounter. It's going to come within 12 times the distance of the Earth to the moon, which is not 
close. It's the closeness you describe if someone was like, how close are you to your dad? Like technically close, comparatively speaking, compared to how close I am to other dads, but still not objectively close. <laughs> I find it odd, like how romantically they word these things. This line is, the asteroid will cross paths with Earth. You know, yeah. like the asteroid and Earth are going to furtively look at each other from across a coffee shop, you know? <laughs> I think at this point we have to assume the asteroids are just choosing not to come here because, frankly, why would you come here with everything going on? So it's not that we narrowly avoided an asteroid. It's that an asteroid crossed the street so it didn't have to deal with us. I think of asteroids all as fans of Earth and they're, they're coming close, <laughs> but then they don't have the courage to really encounter us. And, like, the last asteroid that did actually make it through was a big fan of the dinosaurs and ruined what it loved as we do so often by trying to come too close never meet your heroes never meet them <laughs> i actually really appreciate people taking us through what the shard is because i got that it was a building in london but this asteroid was described as four times as big as the shard which is not a useful unit of measurement so i looked up how big is the shard and it's 300 meters high so what you could have said is it's 1.2 kilometers. Were you worried I wouldn't understand 1.2 kilometers? So you think, do you know what? You're not going to get what one and a bit Ks are. So how about a building in London and just four times of that? Like, why don't you, why don't you think about that while you're going for a 17.5 shard run while you train for the shardathon <laughs> later this month? I just don't think it's a good unit of measurement. I imagine also because the, the sh- I mean, it's very, first of all, hugely arrogant isn't it to assume everybody knows what the shard is but also the shard it adds to the the fear and the danger of the of the story <laughs> the, the four times the size of the shard what is and the shard it, it really it does look a little bit like a razor or something so um so it's like a massive razor coming towards earth whereas if it was you know 55 times the size of your average bouncy castle that's not gonna have quite the same impact as a story i imagine That's all the time we have for that story because there's more space news. Tiny Mexican robots are going to blast off for the moon later this year. Uh, James Colley, you've got a moustache. Can you unpack this story? Yes, I can. Uh, Five nanobots are being sent to the moon. Now, what you need to know about this is it's another case of robots taking out jobs. First, it was self-serve checkouts. Now, it's astronauts. If you thought that one job was probably safe, astronaut. firstly, take that, nerd. I always knew you thought you were better than me, but they haven't replaced comedians yet. So I've got about three weeks on you. I think it's interesting that our grand endeavour of discovery now has turned from like we were promised you know about this time when we were kids we were promised we would be exploring the moon and we would be spending weekends on mars but instead we're sending tiny robots for the purpose of mining on asteroids that's right they're not taking any astronauts job they're taking bruce willis in armageddon's job specifically (laughs) the big advance of these very little robots is that they can communicate with each other so unlike previous rovers who were forced to sadly wander the moon studying rocks alone until their batteries run out these robots will be able to sadly wander about the moon studying rocks together saying things like christ this is dull do you think our batteries will run out soon and i would rather be dead how do you take out these batteries (laughs) seriously 60 years ago we were putting people on these things and now we're just going to send some lego technics to some asteroids for ways to improve the mining industry while it chokes our planet on pollution from that same mining industry they're very sad robots i think is my main takeaway 
away from this. <laughs> I choose to believe the robots are happy on no evidence, but no robot is ever going to contradict me. Pippa. The thing that surprised me is how sm- they're really tiny. They're like the size of an Oreo. So if you can imagine lots of Oreos like driving along. Can you put that in shards for me? Sorry, in shards, <laughs> it's uh, sort of like 0. 0.004 of a shard. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's tiny. Robot. And uh, it's, I just find it really amazing how we're so obsessed with uh, the moon and going to the moon. Uh, so, James, you know, James, you feel like they're taking our jobs. I'm like, oh, thank God they're just sending robots. Why are we sending people to the moon? Well, we could, this, this is a good use of the robot. And you say, you say the nerds' jobs are being taken by robots, but they're, the comedians' jobs are just being cancelled, so it depends which you would rather. Would you prefer there were no comedians or robot comedians? <laughs> and the thing I found disturbing about this as well was, the, again, the little line in the article about this, which said uh, they're, they're equipped to gather lunar minerals that could be useful in future space mining. Uh, and uh, there's something just that's sort of, it's sort of written as kind of a quaint, quaint idea that these little robots are gathering little minerals, but uh, it means that they are planning to go up there and just drill into the thing that controls the sea and the thing that <laughs> controls our menstrual cycles and and just that but it's all right because there might be titanium in there and we need that for our, our smartphones yeah i cannot wait for my ovaries to twinge and know that exactly. elon musk has landed on the dark side <laughs> what would happen when we're all in sync and then that how does that affect space mining because suddenly they'll be like, let's send all the women to the moon uh, and our menstrual cycles will be used in the mining process. And then, then we'll be like, did we want people to be this interested in our menstrual cycles? I don't, I know. don't think it's a two-way street. I don't think our menstrual cycles also control the moon. Have you ever put no, no, that no, no, many no. women on the moon, though, Alice? Hmm? That's tr- oh, that's true. Yeah? What ha- true. Imagine if they sent a million women to stand on the moon all in sync. I reckon there'd be some kind of impact. <laughs> very least emotionally that's all the time we have for our space section because now it's time for your ads your ad section now because enough is never enough this episode of the podcast is brought to you by a mustachioed villain tying you to some train tracks for an obscure reason of his own is dating getting you down is work getting you down is consumer capitalism induced choice paralysis getting you down is doom scrolling social media for the newest apocalypse getting you down Try finding a mustachioed villain to tie you to some train tracks for an obscure reason of his own. Stop worrying about things you can't fix by worrying only about the oncoming train and whether your prince will come. Replace all of your problems with one extremely immediate and urgent problem. Terms and conditions apply, train timetables subject to discretion. If your rainforest terrarium is looking a little too desertified, try adding half a glass of water. Half a glass of water, keeping the depredations of climate change from the small enclosed garden in the jar in the bedroom of your life. Look, it's not much, but we have to have some small ways to push back against the relentless onslaught of depression, and if it's tiny plants in a bowl, you're looking at needing half a glass of water on the reg. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Now it's time for existential animal news, uh, my favorite kind of story, a sad story about a Tyrannosaurus rex, which is to say a Tyrannosaurus rex may not have just been Tyrannosaurus rex. He may not have been the king. He may have been a triumvirate. Pippa Evans, uh, you can stand like a dinosaur with tiny arms. Uh, can you <laughs> unpack this story? Well, funny enough, Alex, uh, I just have to say that it would actually be impossible for me to do that because... Um, there's a syndrome that runs through my family called Marfan syndrome where bits of our body grow too much and the bit of my body that grew too much is my arms so I have actually arms that are too long for my body which you can't really tell if you meet me but if you see me on film I'd look like some sort of strange cartoon character because my arms are like ba-dang 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 so I'm the least likely person to be asked to do an impression of a T-Rex which isn't something a lot of people use you know as their byline but you should put Put that on your poster in case anyone's really afraid of Tyrannosaurus rexes and doesn't want to be triggered by an impression. You can almost 100%. guarantee that even if you do do an impression, it will be a bad one. If you've ever wondered what a T-Rex would look like with long arms, then come <laughs> see my show. So anyway, so the story, again, again, I was reading this story going, is this a story? Because <laughs> essentially the story is T-Rexes may have been three different species. And this has come from exploring the different levels of fossilization. So, um, you know, you could, a million years worth of fossilization is quite quite a long time. I think we can agree that's quite a long time. Uh, and so during that time, there's been evolution. How much is that in asteroid distances? In asteroid distances, it's 75 shards, I believe, because <laughs> you can use the shard also to do the digging. So the, uh, the study shows, oh, well, actually, T-Rexes look different at different periods. Some of the scientists are saying this is absolutely true. There must have been different species. And other scientists are saying... This is just life, life. People just evolve a little bit, you know. So so there's a sort of West Side Story situation we've got going on between the, the different dinosaur specialists uh, having little little jets versus the sharks or T-Rex versus the... Yes, but they're clicking way closer to your body than you would imagine. <laughs> <laughs> right, by your, right by your face. <laughs> what I liked about this as well is that the, um, the, the key credit for the author of the research, Gregory Paul, is that he was a dinosaur specialist on the film Jurassic Park. Uh, and I love that that... <laughs> like, how are we going to get your average Joe to be interested in this story? The only dinosaur thing that everybody has some kind of relationship to is... Um, uh, that yeah, he was a specialist on Jurassic Park, and he said that the findings have multiple implications. There's an implication here. My nephew, uh, as all small children do, is obsessed with dinosaurs, but he is he's one, and he doesn't know the difference between what is a dinosaur and what is not a dinosaur. So he knows cats and dogs and and various things, but he's convinced that every animal that he doesn't recognise is some form of dinosaur. So the other day he <laughs> saw a sheep. <laughs> was screaming that it was a dinosaur. There was that research that says dinosaurs once were covered in feathers, isn't it? 
Um, yeah. Which again, I imagine Gregory might have something to say about that. I don't know what his opinion is on that. So maybe once upon a time, sheep weren't. Maybe your nephew is actually <laughs> prolific uh, and uh, a knowledgeable scientist. Maybe one day he too can be on Jurassic Park. <laughs> I actually finding out that this study, the heart of this study, is Gregory Paul, the dinosaur specialist at Jurassic Park, made me so much less inclined to believe this study because yes. I watched that documentary and that park was an absolute. <laughs> disaster the dinosaur <laughs> specialist should have seen it coming and if i were the dinosaur specialist at jurassic park and i allowed the events of that documentary to occur i would be ashamed of myself it was worse <laughs> than the fire festival or woodstock 99 it was incompetence top to bottom also i wonder if it's frustrating because i reckon maybe gregory paul has done like loads of other things you know he's probably written <laughs> loads of amazing papers he's probably really really wise about the old dinosaur world and yet the only thing people ever say is, oh, he was a specialist on Jurassic Park, actually. So, because how long ago was that now? 30 years? How old is that film? Yeah, about that, yeah. That means he had to consult on the likelihood of a, a Tyrannosaurus Rex eating someone out of a porta potty. <laughs> and that's the pinnacle of his career. <laughs> or also what, what, this, the, what the shape of the water would be, how, the, how heavy would the footprint have been to make... That's what he was consulting on wasn't about levels of fossilization like he probably also did some very deep work in dinotopia like really about the politics systems that dinosaurs <laughs> could have put together sorry i when i see the opportunity for dinotopia gear i've got to go for it how often I does mean, it come across valid valid and valuable <laughs> that's all the time we have for our dinosaur news uh, but dinosaurs are evergreen material i feel a quick apology section the gargle family would like to extend a sincere apology to hank the tank uh, the thieving bear who's recently been exonerated for the crime of breaking and entering near Lake Tahoe on DNA evidence, uh, despite having previously indeed been the fat bastard who stole all the pies in previous incidents, he is in this instance not guilty. Let it not be said this publication is anything but a mouthpiece for truth. As atonement, I will be reading extracts from Chortle's three-and-a-half-star review of Vladimir Zelensky's Edinburgh Fringe show. <laughs> And now it's time for your reviews. As you know, each week our guest editors bring in something to review out of five stars. James Colley, what have you brought in for us? Uh, my review this week is on sobriety. Uh, such is my dedication to this show. To prepare for this week's episode, I've had no drinks or anything other of the sort in about 50 days. And I have to say, <laughs> going completely sober, raw-dogging reality, if you will, gives you an entirely new outlook. You can look at life a lot clearer, a lot less bleary. And having done that, I've come to this conclusion. Things are really quite bad, hey? Like, they're really very, very bad, aren't they? Like, I can understand now with clarity why I was drinking so much. Like, who would want to be alert for this? Right now, I'm high on life, but I have to say, it's a bad trip, and I do not think I'll be doing it again. So I give sobriety zero stars. Zero stars. Pippa Evans, what have you brought in to review for us? I brought in pancakes. Um, oh. I'm going to just assume that pancakes are the same in the UK as they are in Australia. They're upside down here. I know in America, pancakes sometimes are called flapjacks. Um, and it could get that there can be confusion, but uh, yeah. And what you call flapjacks, we call muesli bars. Yes. Although, <laughs> again, then you get into a deep discussion about what goes into a muesli bar, what goes to a flapjack. <laughs> oh, oh, you could have chats for hours. But the the pancake, uh, it was just pancake day here in the UK. Do you have pancake day the same day? Did we force that? Did we force that? Upon no. You? What the hell? I've heard about this so much. You have a day where you're allowed to have... Please explain this to me. Take as right. much of the show as you need. <laughs> Finally, this is what the show is for. Uh, it's all about getting rid of misinformation. Um, the pancake day is what used to be 
called Shrove Tuesday. So it used to be the day before Lent where you used up the last of the stuff in your cupboard before you went on your wonderful, pious 40 days and 40 nights before Easter. Slowly it became Pancake Day, which was a move, I believe, by a company called Jif Lemon, which was is like a... A lemon juice, con- you know, um, um, long-life lemon juice, basically. And so you would have a pancake... <laughs> With sugar and lemon on the Tuesday, and then you were supposed to go into Lent on the on the uh, forty days. Nutella did try and make it turn it into Nutella Day actually for a while, um, <laughs> but they haven't been as successful. Probably because of the orangutans. Yeah, because of those orangutans that they put two. In, there's two and a half hazelnuts and one and a half orangutans in every <laughs> single jar. But <laughs> that James says, why do you have this day for pancakes? And this that's kind of my review is that pancakes we in the uk uh, do really save them for this one day and every single pancake day we all end up saying pancakes are just the most delicious food that you could possibly have why do we only have these one day a year they are easy to make they're cheap they're tasty they feel special they feel kind of uh, cool kids can enjoy making them they could be sweet they could be savory Pancakes need to be celebrated every day. So I'm going to give pancakes five stars because we need to get more pancake in our days. Five stars and zero stars. I think this is the biggest spread that we've had across reviews. And I think it, it bespeaks an inherent like personality differential between James Colley, the eternal pessimist, and Pippa Evans in eternal optimism. I would like to also <laughs> note that that large spread sponsored by Nutella. Enjoy Nutella. <laughs> <laughs> If you've just tuned in, this is the goggle where misinformation marries fun and becomes Mrs. Information. <laughs> now it's time for our helicopter saw section. Uh, the, the story of your dreams slash childhood nightmares. Um, there is a feud apparently in California uh, about the use of a, a helicopter with a giant saw, James Colley. This sounds like an idea you would come up with in your most horrible dreams. Please explain. This would be the peak of my life if I had come up with this idea. So this is a feud about whether or not it is appropriate to cut down trees using a chainsaw with eight circular blades suspended from a helicopter to which i would say who cares if it's appropriate it is awesome (laughs) we are as a society now entering a space known as the cool zone where our (laughs) actions clearly aren't for the good of the world but they are undeniably sick things to do is it smart to dangle a chainsaw from a helicopter no of course (laughs) it isn't but if you had the ability to dangle a chainsaw from a helicopter and you chose not to then you are the idiot Now, the rub here is that the company using the helicopter chainsaw was also reportedly responsible for the California wildfires. So if anything, this helicopter chainsaw is actually this company being more responsible than usual. (laughs) Next week, they'll probably just be firing a gun indiscriminately from a billy cart going downhill into a penguin reserve. It's not good, but it's an improvement. I think the the confronting thing to me is the imagery here, because essentially the top of a helicopter is a chainsaw already. So now you have a a, a chainsaw sandwich with somebody (laughs) precariously dangling between. It's really the world's most dangerous Ouroboros. (laughs) It's, It's chainsaws all the way down. 
what I really liked about it, again, this is a story, is, is everything you say is exactly right. It sounds terrifying. It sounds like something out of a Transformer movie or something. Or, uh, and then the, the main complaint made against them is they didn't have the right permits, right? So, <laughs> so it's not that it's really dangerous and terrifying. It's the fact that they hadn't applied for the correct permits, which really just shows you uh, how far bureaucracy has come. That, that just saying it's, <laughs> it's really dangerous, people might die, isn't enough. It, it has to have some kind of bureaucratic reason to be able to stop it. It's called the hilly saw, by the way, because of course it is. And, uh, the hilly saw? Yeah, it's in trouble because uh, they've been using it to chop trees and uh, California Fire says that falling limbs could hurt hikers. Um, we're assuming they mean tree limbs rather than Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> James? The other massive problem with it is that what they seem to have forgotten as part of this plan is that when you cut the branches off the trees, they fall to the ground. And that causes a buildup of branches, which means that this measure actually increased the fire risk. So what they have done is not made the ground safer from fires, but made the sky much, much more dangerous if that's how you're planning to flee the fires. <laughs> Make the sky more dangerous. It's brilliant because weren't they really? They were really. Um, that's right. They were. They were sort of championing themselves by saying we can do in a day what a conventional crew can do in a month or more. But which includes the amount of fires they can start. I mean, I'm devastated that this has not yet been used in a bank robbery. I feel this kind of invention <laughs> ought to be used in a bank robbery. You need a helicopter with a chainsaw to take the roof off and then a helicopter with like a big plumbing suction thing to lift the roof off and then a third helicopter where people can um, uh, rappel off down into the bank and then <laughs> lift up the safe. That's just, that's just re-riffing. That's just my first thought. We could, we could brainstorm this and do better, I'm sure. See, this is what makes me think. There is a hidden legend in this story, which is the person who had put eight circular saws together and tie them to a helicopter and the boss of this company was like why in the good lord did you do that and they said it's for safety and then decide <laughs> to work it out from there also why did they start with eight you think they'd start with like one like when they've gone oh, we're gonna do it if we're gonna do it, we're gonna do it proper let's get eight of these bastards I mean, it is a very American thing. Although, imagine how efficient the French Revolution would have been if they had this kind of equipment. Just run it through a crowd of aristocrats. Instead of waving that flag about and singing all those songs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now it's time for our Bee Gees section. James Colley, you're wearing a yellow shirt. You're our Bee Gees correspondent. Please, tell us this story. <laughs> I told you I was that correspondent in confidence. <laughs> This is a sad example of life imitating art, and by art I mean my fanfiction about Jerry Seinfeld's Bee movie. So, it <laughs> turns out that bees cannot sweat. They are somewhat the Prince Andrew of the animal kingdom, claims to be royalty, deserves to die. And knowing <laughs> that bees cannot sweat... Can you hit the politics bell on that, Ted? <laughs> Knowing that they cannot sweat, a major problem in bee production now is that bees in heat waves die. And die is too generous a term. They die in a way that I would say 
Prince Andrew deserves, for example, in which their reproductive organs exploded out their bodies. And the article that describes this includes a photo of the scene to which I might ask, if I am ever so lucky to die by having my reproductive organs explode out of my body, please do not photograph the scene. Just know I died happy. (laughs) This is terrible news because we need bees and bees are naturally nature's edges. They should never orgasm at all. They suffer what the French call the little death, except the French say it in French because they're French. And bees should never have this. If bees are coming, they're going. That's what I always say. I always say that no matter the situation. But the question posed by this story is, could styrofoam help? Could styrofoam help? bees exploding out of their genitals in a heat wave which is the kind of question you ask when all you have is styrofoam and you'd love to (laughs) offload some styrofoam the whole world is a nail and all you have is styrofoam i've done it before you unpack a few things and all of a sudden your house is filled with styrofoam and you want to be environmentally friendly so you're saying hey maybe this will stop bees from jizzing themselves to death and i have to say no it won't you just need to find a new thing to do with your styrofoam i'm very sorry to you and to the bees That's all the time we have for that story, and it brings us to the end of the show. We're flipping through the ads at the back. Pippa Evans, have you got anything to plug? Oh, uh, oh gosh. Um, why don't you just follow me on Twitter, because sometimes I say things on there, at I am Pippa Evans, and, that, and then you might find something I'm, I'm doing. Brilliant. And James Colley, have you got anything to plug? Um, if you're sick of your podcast not lasting for five hours, check out my five-hour podcast, The Collie Problem. Or if you would like one that does not last for five hours, we also do Vanity Project, where myself and comedian Bridie Connell review celebrity vanity albums. Excellent. You can find me online at, at Alliterative on Twitter and Instagram. That's A-L-I-T-E-R-A-T-I-V-E. I've also got a Patreon, patreon.com slash Alice Fraser. It's a one-stop shop for all of my stand-up specials, podcasts and blogs, as well as my weekly Tea with Alice salons where we all sit in a Zoom room and have a chat like I'm doing now, uh, but you pay me. And I am on tour. I will be in Melbourne, Perth, and then in London in June and July and Edinburgh in August. So if you're in any of those places, come and see me. Probably follow me on Twitter because I don't keep my website updated. A big thank you to our roving reporters this week. If you would like to send a story into The Gargle, send it to us on Twitter at HelloGargles. This is a Bugle Podcast and Alice Fraser production. Your editor is Ped Hunter. Your executive producer is Chris Skinner. I'll talk to you again next week. You can listen to other programs from The Bugle, including The Bugle, The Last Post, Tiny Revolutions and The Gargle, wherever you find your podcasts. 
Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com